0: it's Jack Tutor here of Attention Magazine. Welcome to Crucial Listening, the podcast where I speak with musicians and sound artists about three albums that are important to them. My guest this time is Lucia Vidkova, a composer, improviser, performer based in New York from the Czech Republic. So Lucia's new solo album Cave acoustics came out over the summer collaboratively through the labels Mappa and Skupina. Features a set of four pieces recorded in some really striking locations, including an abandoned Gothic church in Slovakia and various cave systems in the Czech Republic. The recordings also feature some of them uh, Lucia's sisters collaborating musically for the first time. And you're, you end up listening to this album and having so many different thoughts given the context around the interactions between the performers and the spaces in which they reside. All those lovely acoustic reflections that uniquely identify those spaces. The interaction between the participants, both in that moment, but also due to their familial connection, the, that augments the experience of listening to, to these pieces unfold. There's so much background that I loved reading about and also to hear Lucia talk about it in this conversation, this record and the various spaces and how these pieces came together was really wonderful. It's a record that's brimming with questions and curiosities and I love it. Please do check it out. The conversation as well was wonderful. Obviously, having had such a potent experience with the record itself I was really looking forward to speaking to Litzia. and they were great um, I hope you enjoy this one thank you so much for your support as always you can head over to Coffee if you want to donate to Crucial Listening to help keep it going ko-fi.com forward slash Crucial Listening any amount you please, one off or monthly, thank you for listening as always, this is Lucia Vidkova On Crucial Listening Lucia, welcome to Crucial Listening.
1: Hello, nice to meet you.
0: Lovely to meet you as well. Thank you for coming on the podcast. So you're here to talk about three important albums. Before we talk about those, I wanna talk about your recent solo album, Cave Acoustics, which came out on Mappa and Scopina. Um, so the performances on the record took place in some really curious spaces. Um, So to begin with, I wanted to ask you about the locations featured on Cave Acoustics. So can you tell me a bit about these locations and then also what made you choose them for this record or for recording?
1: Yeah, for for sure. So um, I've been thinking because uh, these caves are very close to the place I'm from uh, and I've lived like a big chunk of my life with my especially, like, my family life. Um, it's, um, I'm from a small town in Czech Republic, uh, it's kind of uh, in the Moravia region. It's uh, from the uh, city called Blansko. And uh, in Blansko, we have lots of industry, especially water turbine industry, building water turbines for different dams. Uh, um, and we export to the war- world. Uh, but also around this kind of industrial city is also a complex of forests and a protected area which is uh, nearby. like A protected natural area which contains these caves. And abyss, Matsocha, um which is one of the deepest abysses in the like, m- middle Europe. Wow. And uh, so it's kind of like a very unique, unique place. There were lots of prehistoric findings. And I've been in touch with that place since childhood because we go there with school, you know, like as a, as a school trip or mm. uh, we go there uh, just to hang out and um, or see it like once a year or here or there. So, so I kind of know. It's, I take it for granted it's around <laughs> and uh, it's it's kind of embedded in my growing up in some way and um, yeah this this album gave acoustics I was thinking because my a lot of my work is... Uh, Connect tries to give access to people who don't necessarily play music or do experimental music. Or I always try to bring mus- musicians and non-musicians together, amateurs, musical amateurs. Uh, I just would like to people do creative stuff if if they can, and uh, yeah. I found a lot lots of benefit for myself and for my life in that. So. I always think it would be great if everybody can give it a try. So lots of my compositions are made with these thoughts and um, I was thinking at the time like it would be nice to, to bring this piece and try to perform it with my sisters mm. who who don't play music professionally or maybe just very sporadically very maybe it's rare for them to sing sometime we used to well we used to we used to sing around the fire you know in our like family gatherings there was kind of like a birthday celebrations we make make a fire and sing but it's it's not been happening for long years after my grandfather's death hmm. so uh, i kind of missed that that uh, common like doing together something in this way but I feel like also this opportunity was really unique and I wasn't really sure if they will do it and (laughs) I was kind of I was like I will risk it I must risk risk it and ask this so I come come from I already lived in New York at the time and um, I come home and visit and I'm like I wrote a piece, we are going to perform it. And we are going to record it, and it will be an album. And, <laughs> and my sisters, okay, where do you want to do it? And they were kind of like, you know, like I don't know if they were necessarily enthusiastic about it, but right. it was like, oh yeah, I, I want them to, to do something. So let's, okay, we will do it. Okay, so I was, okay, I took that chance, so so I, <laughs> I was pouring enthusiasm, but uh, yeah, they were just like, okay, we will do it for you or something, but I really hope it brings something for them as well, and uh, it, the whole process was so beautiful in some way, like just revisiting these spaces, you know, like we were practicing at the football field behind the elementary school. Uh, me and Clara, m- my sister uh, used to attend I think Dominica as well actually yeah both of them and uh, wow. so so we are at this football field and there is this circle which is in the middle for sports and it's really perfect for practicing RPs. and I was really impressed by my sisters or the connection you know it's it's special. And specific uh, the, uh, the family connections um, you know they have different complexity than than the relationships with with your uh, uh, other people with your friends and uh, there is lots uh, share history in some way and um, I was really surprised because I explained the piece and they just did it you know oh wow they just did it <laughs> and I, I was like, wow, okay, like in New York, maybe I have to rehearse two days with other people with artists, and uh, these two uh, two of my sisters uh, <laughs> they just did it right away because we are doers, and that's 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 where I realized like me and with my in my family, we are doers. We do things, and uh, you tell us, and we just do it, okay. <laughs> there is something so about it. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> wow, that's amazing.
1: So that that is the story. And just just to finish uh, uh, with, like, we then practiced it, we recorded it. I even uh, managed to be, we performed it uh, in front of an audience uh, in the local gallery. There is like a um, visual arts gallery in Blansko. And, uh, we were able to actually perform it right the next weekend uh, in front of the audience, in front of parts of our family. And, you know, like, it was striking for me. They would do it because it's. I performed experimental arts for so long, but uh, it was their first performance. And I feel like maybe they just trust me yeah. so well. they just They just went with it. And they did it and it was kind of like an experience we had together and a couple of days later we just i just organized this trip we take car and go to the caves and spend the whole day in caves recording these pieces it's a really beautiful time
0: that is stunning i mean (laughs) one of the um locations you recorded was ja himka Mm -hmm. and if I'm right, I believe I read a bit of text that indicated it was a bit of an adventure getting in there. Mm-hmm. Could you tell me a bit about that?
1: Yeah, this this cave is actually not that touristic, um, and uh, it's just um, in 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 the forest uh, without any, you know, entrance fee or it's not adjusted for visitors. It's just there. Um, Kind of uh, old school cave, which is not uh, used <laughs> used uh, for for visitors, like official visits and uh, for profit. And um, uh, I was really surprised to 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 find it, but also how do we get in there? Because there is like a small river around it, and. Uh, there are a couple of stones also in the river so we decided to like carry all the equipment um, that we will stand on the stones and we will just like passing the equipment uh, through the people through the human chain (laughs) and uh, get it on the other other shore um, on the other side and uh, there was like really, really steep hill up to the cave. Um, but we, we we, arrived and I feel like it's really like connect us this like common experience and mm. we, beyond the fresh air, we went inside and just uh, looked where would be good to record uh, looking for the acoustics, for the cave acoustics. Yeah.
0: One other question I wanted to ask in this intro is about Inside the Ritual. I mentioned before we started recording Mm -hmm. that I had this on last night. I think the thing that became particularly pronounced for me is your, or what I perceive as your movement around the frame. I don't know Mm -hmm. why, but previously I'd not responded so much to the fact that you can hear your contributions moving quite a lot. And in Mm -hmm. fact, you know, build in the credits of this album, is, you know, the fact that you contribute movement. So obviously Mm -hmm. this is an aspect of that piece, which, you know, uh, well, I was gonna say eludes listening, but clearly I could hear it, but I wondered if you could tell me more about the presence of movement in that final piece.
1: Yeah, I've been working with movement, yeah, actually, the trio with cans, with uh, the trash trio, is also based on movement. So I feel like it's a bit similar principle because for years I tried to sonify my movement inside of space. I use different sonic costumes. I collect uh, materials which I try to reuse to enhance my uh, body, but also motivate my body to move
0: mm. in
1: the space. So it has, it's kind of a, a loop of movement and sound which which really feeds into each other and um, in that specific piece uh, inside of the ritual I really felt like you can hear not necessarily the movement but the touch because um, there was uh, like a long grass which was like I don't know until my waist or uh, above my waist and um, I was going through it and when the grass is uh, touching my body it would touch uh, the costume which i had on me as oh, well the cans wow. so so that kind of it more feels like i don't know if i was moving or the grass was touching me <laughs> uh, it's kind of it's kind of like a both yeah. but both is sonified by by the settled sounds of the cans you can hear in the recordings and you know also probably the distance from the microphone so you kind of can guess my location and where I am in in the space but I felt like that that was kind of like a good interaction with with the grass
0: well, I wanted to give listeners a bit of an insight into this record and also selfishly satiate a few questions that I had just listening to the album but there's so much as I've told you to There's so much for listeners to like dig into here. And there's, yeah, it's a wonderful record. People please just go and listen to it. I'll include links in the show notes and yeah, implore people to dive in. It's wonderful. Um, Lucia, before we get to your important records specifically, I Mm. like to ask at this point about how you came to pick your three important records. So was there a way that you understood the word important in order to come up with the list of three records that you did?
1: For me, that question was a bit intimidating at the, <laughs> at the beginning because, you know, I, I have like a huge tradition of going for concerts and listening live music. Mm. So I feel like that's kind of my main practice. So I, I was thinking actually, like, how do I listen music at home? So I really need to go deep and uh, what's important, maybe in some way like um, changing my direction or um, the, the importance of the recording. Yeah, maybe some transformative listening, like it's, it's um, changed uh, the way I think or live or I think about sound or life in some way. Mm. So I feel like that, that's kind of the importance of, of that and um, I feel like uh, this three this has, has had a lot of influence on me and on my work, I am for sure, uh, I am sure about that. Yeah, so I, I wanted to just, it's nice to, to pull them out and, and give them some time and talk about them
0: absolutely yeah. nice so i don't know if you had uh, an order in mind or you know is there a record you'd like to talk about first
1: mm, i we can do the order i i wrote uh, so start with Yannis xenakis and la legend there yeah
0: great and yeah maybe give me a little introduction as to why this record is important to you
1: well the records as 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 they are ordered um in kind of a like a chronological way when I kind of dis- discovered them or bumped into them. So uh Yanis Xenakis uh, this recording come to me in my early twenties. So it's it's been really really long time. Uh mm-hmm. I I have listened to this recording and I revisited it just to uh, see how do I listen to it in these days, and um, I feel like it was a time I was at the conservatory, you know, studying classical music and. Uh, I was always drawn to different sonorities and uh, more to the contemporary music I was drawn to be a composer and uh, I studied classical accordion at the time and um, I've always composed and this, this kind of sonority was radical from the during the time I I discovered Yannis Ksenakis' music, mm. so I, I I listened to his uh, instrumental pieces. But uh, after I found this this record, and it was still when you used to. Um, borrow a CD from a library Mm -hmm. Uh, and you know I didn't have like personal computer I didn't have notebook or anything I was I was listening to it on CD player so I remember that moment when I put it into my CD player and um, I listened to it and it's it's a long piece it's like 47 minutes and uh, I cannot stop to listen to it And I keep listening to it over and over (laughs) and over, you know, and it's just, you know, I feel like there was the radicality also, like how long peace should be, how long can you pay attention to something, Mm -hmm. how, how, you know, like you get totally immersed. And the principle, the form is so clear and simple in some way, because it starts, kind of like a low density and ends low density and in the middle getting getting more and more complex and all these events are emerging out of this texture which really did resonated with 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 my brain or with my mind or with my ears at the time and uh, it it really brought me really to a new new direction like i i started to go deeper into uh contemporary music and modern sound and improvisation later hmm. and i even wrote my bachelor thesis i think on about Yanis Xenakis so yeah about his rhythm uh so it it was kind of like a uh kind of important moment yeah breaking point
0: wow so you went from as you say in your 20s discovering this piece and playing it in mm-hmm. that cd player over and over again mm-hmm. uh you mentioned as well you kind of revisited the piece and this again to kind of mm-hmm. figure out how you listen to it now i'm wondering what did you find like does the piece hit you differently now compared to how it did then
1: it feels like I know it, you know. Mm. It feels like I know it, but it keep also like still surprising me. I know this music always stay uh, radical in some way for me. But maybe when I listened in my early twenties, I, mean, I was twenty one or something. Uh, I I thought maybe it's more raw. Uh, right. Yeah. But 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 now. When I listen to it, it seems so smooth and very clear, clear to me. Before that, I I didn't, it was something I've I've never heard before. Mm. And uh, now it feels so clear to me, but it still keeps the surprising moments of like, do I hear this? What is this sound coming out of of the texture, out of the density? Uh, And you are not sure what you hear. Mm. and it brings you different imagination or like are these I remember you know like when listen to it when I was young I was just like are these mosquitoes or are these you know <laughs> like like the the timbers changing so rapidly did it uh, changes the image uh, image images in your in your head some association what could it be but mm you know, after it gets very distant because it's also electronic sound. So after it becomes just machine-like in some way or... um, Yeah, building side. I feel like it was a whole uh, introduction into listening environmental sounds because as I told you, uh, I am really into live concerts and listening music live then when i'm at home i feel like um i like to listen the environment Mm. i'm in so often i don't play music at home from a cd i already have to have like a listening night kind of designated time to it but as as i hear as i sit here now i i just hear like there is some some hum from outside i don't know if like somebody started like a building side noise, so I just I just listen for those movements and for those melodies or noises, and see see how they form around the place I live. So kind of paying attention to that. Um, so I feel like Yannis Xenakis would be like a good introduction into into this kind of listening as well. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think you said some stuff that's really resonated with the way that I've listened to this piece. In fact, I should say at this point, it's the uh, second time it's been picked on the podcast. Um, it's yeah. also Jorgis uh picked this as well. Uh, wow. And, you know, was really affected by it. But listening mm-hmm. to it again has been very interesting. I mean, the sounds that you mention. As kind of transforming or sounding like they're, you know, changing as you're listening to them. The one for me in particular is the one that sounds like a voice screaming into a distorted microphone that happens quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's points where it sounds really anguished uh, and quite chilling like I think there's you know I can't help but respond to what I perceive as the emotional tenor of that tone and then there's mm-hmm. times where actually it just maybe sounds like I don't know someone rubbing against a balloon or something inane it's really um, yeah It's it's got this chameleon like quality to mm-hmm. it this record which I wasn't expecting to find so striking given that it was you know mm-hmm. late 70s but
1: yeah, yeah yeah and exactly like when i then start to research more more on his music and uh getting to know about his inspiration by revolting crowds you know like strikes huh. and his experience in uh in the political protests and you know like he was injured badly um uh, in those protests so um
0: wow uh
1: you know it it starts to make sense to you if you hear a scream or if if it becomes so the, you know like if you imagine like revol- revolting protest uh, crowd or march it it starts to have also this this new dimension which which is like um people together uh trying to make a change yeah uh, so so I feel like that that's connects also with with the changing the system of Christian Wolf later, of
2: course, yes. <laughs>
1: you know. <laughs> so it's it always music. Uh, I choose also music which um, maybe has this uh, subcontext of of change, uh, changing things, transforming, and I feel like I'm drawn to it in some way as well. So I'm meeting this. Uh, these composers and uh, yeah Mm. I feel like there is a common thread in these three important albums I chose
0: yeah Yeah, definitely Mm. Um, like you say I think this will become a pertinent question when we discuss that Christian Wolf one so Mm -hmm. I'll park a few of my questions until then as well but with Zanakis I wondered I saw a post on Instagram actually the other day where you were playing a drum kit, and mm-hmm. you mentioned the fact that you were feeling the inspiration of Xenakis' percussion mm-hmm. pieces. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, firstly, tell me a bit about that. Why did those pieces come to mind? Yeah,
1: no, I I was, you know, you asked me to find these albums, and I I. I revisited Dianis Xenakis, and, you know, It's back in my life, so thank you for (laughs) that. Oh, wow, (laughs) uh, I I like your influence. (laughs) And um, uh, yeah, I've been playing drums for for a while now and really enjoying that. But I feel like at that studio, the toms had such a percussion like quality, not necessarily like, I didn't feel very rock drummer at that studio. I felt more like I'm a percussion player.
2: Ah, right. And
1: it, it really reminded me, because I used to listen a lot, this uh, solo piece Safwa uh, by Anis Xenakis. And uh, it really came back and I just, I just went with it. And it was interesting because uh, another friend, uh, Melinda Filor, wrote me on Instagram, and she's like, "This, I totally hear the sub puppies," and oh, uh, cool. <laughs> I'm just like, "Exactly, that's what <laughs> that's what I'm talking about." You know? <laughs> so wow. that, that yeah, something yeah, something is working here. So
0: yeah, <laughs> that's great. nice. Mm-hmm. Um, so are there areas of Zinakis' work then that you find particularly resonant with you?
1: you know, lots of his techniques. I really like uh, how he thinks about music, how he brings his everyday life or uh, kind of the activism or let's say, you know, the, the, the protest like, is a big part of his life and how he brings it into his pieces and... Uh, Also, some of the composition technique, which comes from complexities. I I was really excited to to study, like the arborescences, kind of coming, branching. uh, You know, he has this, like, different graphs and uh, Mm -hmm. uh, kind of uh, graphic expressions you know graphic expressions of how he achieved all these pitches which he transcribed into um, classical notation then or kind of partly graphic because i feel like also his scoring was was quite uh, groundbreaking in some way mm. metastasis you know like uh, it wasn't necessary conventional score i feel like he had to modify the classical uh notation expression to to make make his sound he also connect um uh, his uh, occupation of being like uh, you know uh, being involved with uh, architecture or being engineer he thinks along along those lines bring bringing uh, that thinking inside of um, of composition mm. and i feel like that's that's very along my way how i'm thinking how i'm as as a composer i i try to bring uh, everyday life and i try to um you know inspire people who don't do music originally to just come from their occupation and maybe bring that into music mm. i feel like that influence is is still there when i am teaching or just talking um, about music with people I'm just like, yeah, you can try you know, like, you can <laughs> you, you, you can try, yeah, you studied something else, but it still gave you foundation for some kind of thinking, which mm. you can th- maybe then bring into sound, so I feel like this, he connects in his work lots of things I'm really interested in and I, I live myself inside of my work, and really like to connect lots of different things, yeah.
0: So yeah, let's go to your second important mm. album. So, which one is next in the list? I've got them in a different order, I scrambled them on my sheet. So. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I wrote uh, Pauline Oliver's Tuning Meditation. Great, and uh, i necessarily don't know if there is like a album, but I, I wanted to sneak in some more, like, um, uh, I feel like. Pauline's music you cannot capture with album necessarily. Yes, that's It's, true. it's just like because I, I I saw this piece written on the, as a score. I performed it many times and I also, you know, bring it at the workshops and bring people in. But I'm not sure if it's actually recorded somewhere. Maybe I am. I'm breaking the rules.
0: Now. <laughs> They're there to be broken. <laughs> Um yeah, no, do you know what? I did find a recorded version of this. Yes. Um well, I mean that even if I hadn't uh mm-hmm. I wouldn't have given you a yellow card. This is totally acceptable to um to bring this one in. Nice. Uh so yeah, yeah maybe give me mm-hmm. you've you've given me a little introduction to the fact that it, you know, um mm-hmm. you've done it yourself, you bring it into to workshops, but yeah, give me an introduction as to why this one's important to you.
1: Yeah, um it's important because I didn't know it's that important to me. <laughs> but I feel like uh, it's really... Also, the influence is so settled that you don't even know it really went through so much of your work or the way you are thinking. Mm. So so it's... Uh, yeah, I really give have to give credit to Pauline Oliveros because uh, I feel maybe she's so much influence on the, how people listen in contemporary music or experimental music. Mm. It seems like her work is kind of set, subtle, you know, like she she's out there, of course, but also I feel like, um, okay, we played this piece. I often don't see she's given so much credit on how really she influenced the, the scene with, with her technique, with her, Deep listening with her with her thinking, and her compositions are really interesting the mm-hmm. the way she she wants to uh change also how people listen and uh, uh also her activist work in some way and you know trying to change the scene and build a stage or maybe even dismantle the stage but you know like when she died i felt it a lot like there is no roof over mm-hmm. <laughs> over and it's it's you know like it's like when the, when she she she's been like kind of a solid solid uh, uh persona or energy on the scene for me to relate mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. uh yeah and you know, like when I was young, also early twenties, like people always because uh, she's queer uh a female composer and plays accordion. So I had it I had her on my plate like every single time I talk to somebody. Like do you know Pauline Oliver's, you know, because I'm i also like, you know, uh queer accordionist <laughs> composer, you know, so it's it's uh, always uh It's like, yeah, why do, why do I have to relate to Pauline Oliveros all the time? (laughs) And it, so it was struggle at the beginning. I couldn't understand why I'm always, you know, put together. Mm. And it was kind of artificial for me because we haven't met. I only know her from, from distance. And uh, it was, uh, it was like people don't know anything about you you know it's, yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah. like they just they just like grab this kind of some uh identity thing and uh it's supposed to be in one bag right <laughs> yeah of course yeah so yeah but it happened that we met and uh it was it was really mm, crucial for me and um we we chatted and a couple of times, and uh, the main kind of amazing thing was that I've I've had her uh, instrument for for many years now. Like I have one of her accordions, and mm. I, I I played here in New York, and I just you know appreciate you know like I feel like uh, she really like. Um, took care, care of me somehow, <laughs> you mm, know, because yeah. I came to New York, I needed accordion, which is suitable for playing contemporary music, so I need like a, like a bigger one and it's hard to travel. I have five accordions in Czech Republic, but it's so hard to transport, so I only come with small one. and. She really uh, has also multiple, as I feel like all accordionists have so many <laughs> accordions. Yeah, just love different sizes and it's kind of necessary, you know. Uh-huh. But um, yeah, she she just uh, lent me her one of her tit- titano accordions and uh, uh, I've been able to to play it here in New York and be part of the contemporary music scene. and. I I think of her a lot you know she's she's been yeah just like she used to play this instrument and now this instrument is in my room wow. I feel like I feel that's a precious thing in some way um, yeah I'm in touch with her partner with Ion, who is also an amazing artist so I'm staying in the circle um, this is this is kind of I feel like that contributed to to some new thinking for me and new listening, in a way. Listening is important, yeah.
0: Yeah, when you say new thinking, um, can you put your finger on... I mean, I think you've explained a lot just in mm-hmm. talking about your introduction to Pauline's work and your thoughts there, but mm-hmm. well, yeah, when you refer to new listening, can you put your finger on what that is like what changed
1: yeah i i bet it's it's different for for everybody but through this tuning meditation i feel like it might be you know like maybe i i sing it first time in like 2013 or 11 2011 Ooh. let's say and uh, just to hear people people's voices because anybody can sing it right yeah anybody can participate and that's the huge thing i also took the accessibility of her music and um, christian wolf has it in in into some extent but i feel like pauline uh oliver's really is focused on that a lot and new listening is just like you get to listen untrained untrained voices you get to listen you know different timbres uh, melodies which which appear out of group of people,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, especially in this piece, and uh, it will it will bring like new things in everybody because people are trying. But there is also the acceptance in a way like that nothing is wrong, uh, not you know like people mm-hmm. just do think together, and I feel that's so important uh, if because stage sometimes divides us on the professionals and amateurs and people who have access to the stage and people who don't and people who get attention, you know? So all like this, I listen for these kind of relationships and that I felt this, this piece is so simple and so full of this uh, teaching in some way.
0: Uh, you mentioned bringing it into workshops, because I think one thing I find interesting is getting people to start with this um, genie meditation. I think mm-hmm. I'm someone who, you know, in this kind of environment would feel reticent to be the one to start singing a note. I haven't done this. I think I've done this, I did this meditation once, but it was during COVID. So it was like coordinated over Zoom. So it wasn't, mm-hmm. it was a very, very different experience to, you know, the vast majority of cases of this happening, but um, being the first one to sing a note, I can imagine there's a lot of trepidation for people. Um, what's your experience like of when people start this meditation, like do you find that people take a while to get going? Are there ways that you kind of... um I don't know lower that barrier to make people comfortable to start or yeah what what is it like getting people to commence
1: yeah i feel like uh it's not like maybe i don't know if if that's like that for everybody but mm. um there is something about building trust in in the group that mm. everything is okay That that we can do it so i feel maybe some voices are Shy at the beginning, or very soft, but you realize that it's also fine, you know. Yes, yeah. And and some people, maybe, I mean, you're supposed to just uh, follow your breath as well at some part, and uh, you or be aware of your breath. And I feel like if you connect to your breath, uh, you also stop the focus. On, on the people outside for a moment so I feel like it gives you like inner me- mechanism you can follow, it's not like you are there is nothing to catch on you know, like yeah. some people, I don't know what to do I don't know which tone I should sing but maybe the breath will guide you, I feel like that's very that seems kind of intuitive um, mm. and uh, it's it's good to include, you know, like that rhythm because it it will guide guide you through through the piece somehow and after you listen to other people and maybe relate or or not relate you know sing the same pitch or sing sing the sing different pitch than that you know like uh, that's like a good instruction what to do you know you have you have things to do which are not too complicated in the space mm-hmm. and. Uh, you have some inner rhythm you can follow, you have some external rhythm you can follow, but at some point it starts to work and it, will, it starts to drive people to just do it and listen for these common harmonies which are emerging between us. And uh, I always love, uh, actually, how do we end? Because sometimes I don't, I don't even <laughs> yes. say, you know and people don't know and suddenly there is a moment people don't realize they don't know how to how to end this mm. but it always ends <laughs> you know so yeah. i feel the ending is very interesting because the group finds their own conclusion mm. and i feel that connects people so much like after one of this exercise the group is on very different level of connection and and uh on musicianship in terms of musicianship, people really attuned to each other and um yeah, they also have more trust and more courage because they just experienced something together which was pretty unique and kind of like you you at the end people feel like some something something in important happened for for the group. Mm, yeah
0: yeah, and is that why you mentioned bringing it into workshops that you do is that why you bring it in it sounds like that Mm -hmm. you know in terms of sewing as you say Mm -hmm. like trust and sort of uh, facilitating collaboration it seems like a really Mm -hmm. powerful tool so is that why you bring it in
1: yeah very much so yeah you can you can do different exercises but I feel like this this one is uh, very reliable in terms of working with voice and you know you can even move in the space you know you can walk around so i feel like i do lots of workshops about voice and movement or you know working working with your body in the space so so i feel like that's really great start for for just preparing the space and people to collaborate together yeah
0: one really nice thing in the little recording I found of a tuning meditation, Pauline introduced. So mm-hmm. I should say the, the instruction, um, just in case people don't have the context of this and do mm-hmm. correct me, here if any of this is, is wrong, but so Pauline's instruction for the meditation is to inhale deeply, exhale on the note of your choice, listen to the sounds around you and match your next note to one of them. On your next breath, make a note no one else is making. Repeat call it listening out loud. I listened to this one that Pauline took where she gave that instruction and then said, right, and then once you're started, I'm just going to sneak away. (laughs) Um, So I don't know whether she left the room or what, but again, it felt like this lovely thing that indicated that this was this self-generating exercise that didn't mm-hmm. need anyone to perpetuate to it. it or like yeah, as you yeah, say yeah. or to conclude it either their trust that people mm-hmm. between them would coordinate a communal ending is quite mm-hmm. wonderful
1: yeah because because we people can do it i i yeah. believe that and uh, i really love to find pieces which proves it in some way so yeah
0: See, we got one more important record, so or piece rather. I mean, give me the name of it, and then, yeah, why it's important to you.
1: Christian wolf's uh, "Changing the System," and um, yeah, this, this has been uh, recorded uh, for sure, but not as as one album, probably with with more pieces on it, mm. and. Um, uh, I feel like that that piece always uh, attracted me by by the title <laughs> but I, I've, <laughs> I've studied it also a lot and uh, yeah Christian wolf's music was always striking for me in some way and uh, I don't know if if you know about this but it became also the main uh, theme for my my uh, Doctoral dissertation. Yes. Yeah. And there is a book out, um, which is called uh, "Compositional Techniques of Christian Wolff and Social Aspects in Music," and uh, which uh, which which I wrote the dissertation be- became became a book. But I chose this album because. Uh, I I never know what to think about Christian Wolff's music. And uh, (laughs) that was strange for me because uh, I kind of understood for myself all the contemporary music I was around. And after Christian Wolff comes and uh, (laughs) plays pieces, and I I don't know, I don't understand it. I don't Ah. know what's behind it. And um, so it's not something I liked, you know. Right. Uh but it was really important and that's how I devoted seven years to study <laughs> his music, you know.
2: And wow.
1: <laughs> because because yeah, I found that's that's it because um if I choose something I like I, I feel like I kind of already know it. But this was so so challenging for me to actually understand the music through my listening that that I really wanted to devote it some time and of course lots of lots of my research went around the, the piece changing of the system um, which I performed with multiple ensembles as well but also uh, heard uh, from, from the album so you know each each recording is different, right? Because yeah. uh, this this piece is uh, a partly graphic score or kind of like open notation, uh, c- classical notation, parametrical notation, which is which um, only which excludes some some parameters. So for example, you have um, only chords, but you can play in. a, treble clef or bass clef so so this you you get like twice as more chords right just by changing the keys so you have to you have to make decisions and uh, I feel like that that's what's been so good to go deeper into Christian laws music to see how he leaves lots of choices on Musicians while making very uh, rigorous uh, um, systems, they they are they are in, but they still keep the the choice for them. And I I really love to just see how it's constructed, and then what kind of music it generates uh, aesthetically. Like when you listen to it, uh, mm. it's just like. Now, when I listen to it, I feel like, yeah, I hear this technique, me, I hear this technique, I hear this kind of relationship. And now I understand. The biggest breakthrough was actually after I finished the book. It was already two years after that I go to hear Christian Wolff's concert here in Roulette in New York uh, with Robert Shukovsky and uh, Robert Black. And um, that year I started a rock band. Um, Progressive pro band <laughs> and I just uh, realized I suddenly could understand the kind of uh, Christian Wall's musicianship he has with his friends that uh, actually these pieces might be also a bit uh, bent like because right. they they really like they were engaging on, on such a personal level I could only understand when I had this band and oh. it was different than ensemble music But he plays this ensemble music on the personal, with the personal connection, like as on the band level in some way. So I found it so beautiful because you have this like 85 year old uh, cool, cool, (laughs) person on the piano and they play such a weird music and uh, they enjoy it. They're really so, so cheerful and happy about it. You can see it on their faces. <laughs> so they're just rocking these, these these pieces, this new piece as well for roulette, uh, dedicated to roulette. And uh, yeah, I feel like that, that was kind of like my understanding Come to to being complete in some way <laughs> right. about Christian, Christian world music. I feel like uh, yeah, so that's that's where I could understand the sound in its kind of depth. So that was that was the experience for me from yeah changing the system and yeah uh, also Robin Shulkowski, the drummer. So that's also nice to know her because um, she collaborated with Yanis Xenakis. So that's where I took kind of loop back to the first recording. Um, And I've been around her every time she comes. I like to just be around her also Mm -hmm. because she she carries so much, uh, you know, with Stuckhausen and and uh, all all these guys but you cannot meet anyone but she she has own path but she also has full of these experiences which she she can share. So I really um love to connect connect with her. Yeah.
0: That's really cool. Um the things that really come out from that description you just gave of getting acquainted with this piece and the music of Christian Wolf generally is is the dynamics between players and also the agency of the players as well. So you mentioned the fact mm-hmm. that the players have choices and that they relate to each other more as a band, which um, is such an interesting description. I, I, mm-hmm. I wondered whether you could pinpoint why that was appealing to you. Why why did that make a connection um, for yeah. you?
1: No, you can, you can see that in Pauline versus tuning meditation, this kind of functions as well, mm. on very organic, intuitive way. Uh, it's kind of like uh, you choose if you sing the same, same pitch or different pitch and you need to figure out the space. But I feel like Christian Wolf, like he really focused a lot on on technique and how to write them down, and he also breaks down the classical notation. My interest is also in the score. I, I've been doing like lots of lots of different graphic scores, and um, you know, uh, that's also sometimes how we provide accessibility to the piece. Because mm. uh, if you if you reconstruct the classical notation, or if you just draw a line, it's maybe more legible for a person who hasn't studied uh, the classical notation and
2: Mm.
1: which would be like a barrier to get to the music. So, um, you know, he has also prose collection, which is just a set of verbal scores. But for me, of course, uh, maybe even some personal drawing, about the choice like it's drawn me into into this piece maybe just feeling like there's there hasn't been choice in some way for me but Mm. i really like I, i really like that he really focuses on that and construct that and it's very clear what you can do but also like I feel like he connects it a lot with freedom and mm. how how he understands freedom. And that's that's been also a theme which I'm very interested in uh, in my life. And I feel like Yanis Ksenakis also was interested in some kind of freedom being in those protests. And Pauline Oliveros also uh was interested in some kind of freedom uh through listening and uh kind of dissolving yourself into the space in some way and i feel like christian wolf um also his work is um political in many ways and um um so he may be interested uh, about freedom on on the political sense but also like Lots of on on the social sense in terms of how do we facilitate our relationships inside of the group, and he really draws them intricately and he experiments with it and uh, he um, you know like trying to go deep into his own techniques and uh, change them up over time in his composition. So. Uh, then I'm interested, like when you listen to music, what does it do with you? You know, mm. so you can play this music, but and be inside of it as a musician, like in pauline's pieces and kris also but when when you listen to it as a as a listener from outside like like does it then generates uh some kind of uh, new connections in um in your brain which which makes you feel that or which re-establish the relationships how you relate to your everyday life mm. uh, w- would that would that's like be the way to ingest that music so you know like thoughts like that then i'm i'm interested in yeah if it makes sense how Abs- explaining
0: it yeah absolutely yeah. um and the thing that I also see mentioned a lot, which you you did there as well, is this a uh, political dimension to Christian Wolff's music and obviously a title like Changing the System. It's very hard to imagine that without a political context too. Mm-hmm. And this piece has, you know, a text um, within it by political activist and politician Tom Hayden as well, who's big in the anti-war movement, as I understand. And it sounds like this piece mm-hmm. came out just... In the midst of a lot of anti-Vietnam War sentiment as well, Um, I'm intrigued because obviously, given that you have uh, written a PhD, you must have a fair bit of info on this. Because in a lot of places where I saw it written down, it was like Christian Wolf uh, is political, but I and you know the music is political, and I can kind of hear what I perceive to be some sort of um, uh, desire to imbue some kind of left-wing you know, more horizontal um, structure within mm-hmm. music and how the musicians relate to each other. But I wonder if you could tell me a bit about this political dimension of Wolf's work. Like where was uh, Wolf coming from politically, or, or at least, you know, from what you could gather from writing the PhD?
1: Mm, I feel like you you described it well, yeah. I feel like there's some, like, a leftist uh, inclination uh, interest in democracy, democratic principles. You know, distributing the musical material between players equally. Mm. That's very common thing he does uh, in the piece. So every everybody has kind of like similar amount of pitch, but they need to decide how long they are gonna play it and how they need to listen for the interactions. Mm. So that's that's how the mechanism works. And uh, I also know that that uh, Christian doesn't. Necessarily like to talk about politics too much because he also considers a musician. You know, he's a musician, and this is music. This is composition. You know, like
2: mm.
1: I feel like he got that label a lot, uh, but also because obviously there is there is that context, but also he likes to point out to come back to the music itself.
2: Mm.
1: So, so you know, sometimes I feel even myself uh, doing lots of interviews with them and uh, yeah, trying to go really deep into it, you know, then we need to end uh, with that. You need to just listen to it as well as the music, right. you know?
2: Right, yes, yeah.
1: <laughs> And get get out of all this uh, analysis in some way and <laughs> really, really listen, yeah. And uh, um, I know he, he has different techniques how he um, brings certain political context into the pieces. He quotes uh, people, he portrays uh, people, uh, like this um, poem about Harriet Tubman so he has mm-hmm. a, a piece uh, which portrays a poem about Harriet Tubman uh, kind of bringing up her story but so this the, then he has a uh, this large piano piece Im desaparecicida about uh, women disappearing in Chile during the Pinochet. Uh, uh, government, hmm. um, you know, probably murdered, and uh, uh, so he brings this, but it doesn't have any words. It has just just the title, and it's just like a long piano piece. And I feel like, yeah, I spent I spent lots of time with this one because there is so so many references also. Uh, about the song "Holly, Holly, Near Broad," uh, so coming from the American folk tradition, you know. Mm. So, so that's that's also his style, you know. He he portrays lots of workers' songs and yes, yeah. you know, kind of you know, bread and roses, re- revolutionary um, protests, uh, you know, like uh, relating to a protest or strike. Um, so, yeah. In certain way, but I feel like okay, these are like concrete political events or people. But another way is just really like building the system of composition Mm -hmm. on the democratic, uh, on the democratic level, and yeah. So I've and then you have the prose collection also, just the verbal scores, which, which already. They are very parametrical, but in words, written in words. So there is this accessibility aspect, which I like to point out because it's important for me too. And so that's, that's also kind of activism in some way, if, if, you, if you want to bring amateur people playing this music. And it's interesting because he can uh, write a similar piece in words as well as in notation. Yeah. Mm. so mm-hmm. you also have to read very carefully uh, what uh, the way how he's writing it it's also interesting because i, I gave a whole um seminar uh about uh, verbal scores and how to read language and connect it with sound and music or what the words really mean in terms of composition so that's that's like also uh, interesting subject but yeah that would be another you know maybe connected with like social political aspects we which he puts puts out there.
2: Yeah. Mm. Nice. So
1: so if you ask about this, I feel like there is lots of lots of means he tried to show uh, show the social political aspects uh, in his music. Yeah. Wow. But and you have to always just listen I listen it as music yeah uh-huh. that's I feel like <laughs> don't get to yeah it's music as well it's music awesome <laughs> I
0: love that um I want to return as well to something you said at the start which was that you mm-hmm. didn't oh also as well I I want to just say I love the fact that it was you said two years after two years after the PhD after that whole process mm-hmm. that you felt like you, you know the, the things finally clicked into place that's wonderful mm-hmm. also mm-hmm. you mentioned at the start about you didn't like it and that's where, why you wanted mm-hmm. to at least in part devote mm-hmm. some time to getting to know this music uh, mm-hmm. at what point do you think you started to like it if like is the right word like uh, yeah when did it start to feel appealing to you
1: Hmm. That's kind of a difficult question hmm. uh, to me. I really cannot pinpoint the the point, and I really don't think it was the point to start to like it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's right. Just, it's just uh, I wanted to connect with this force of Christian Wolf uh, and and the, and the thing he he did, and I feel like I connected with it. Hmm. I, I connected with it, and uh, yeah, yeah, and then then you wouldn't evaluate it as, as okay, I like our connection, you can, you can say that. But it was something I wanted to connect with, and I did.
0: Year, I've got one more uh, mm-hmm. question for you, which um, I think you've hinted at throughout this discussion, but I like to ask the guests about how they listen to music, like what kind of formats they tend to listen on, how they tend to purchase music, essentially what listening to music looks like in day-to-day life obviously you've mentioned the fact that actually the live format is the more pertinent format to you generally within your mm-hmm. life but yeah give me a bit of insight into you know what listening to music looks like day to day for mm-hmm.
1: you yeah i i don't necessarily like to listen music on spotify or or platforms like that mm-hmm. yeah or online maybe some something on youtube because you can find there's a huge library and it's just hanging there on the internet so i i i listen some music from the youtube my priority is listening to live concerts and go to meet the people and that's that's it's been part part of the practice for a long time and it it gave me the most so far and um yeah i I listen simple sounds and lots of, lots of kind of music. I listening through recording because I also record lots of music. I do lots of field recordings as well. So I feel like just listening the environment through a microphone. <laughs> that's kind of my listening practice because I can I can focus and I I'm just seeing like you know what how it's filtered through the device. So that's that's been kind of my practice. So maybe it's still connected with, with like different spaces and uh, I need to move around and see, then, then sitting in front of the computer or or like just uh, in my room, I would wish to have like a nice speakers that I feel it would change my listening uh, experience here. But I have good headphones and yeah. So sometimes from, from, from YouTube probably. Yeah, And of course, uh, I get a uh, lot of CDs from my friends and uh, um, yeah, so then then I play play them at the home as well.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. Wicked. Lucia, um, yeah, thank you so much. I mean, mm-hmm. your three picks were great. I love the way that they all interconnect uh, and I love hearing you talk about them as well. That's really imbued them with so much more meaning for me uh, and to get some additional context on cave acoustics as well your record Mm -hmm. was fabulous so yeah thank you so much for your Mm -hmm. energy on this it's Uh, been great
1: i'm happy to hear that and thank you for for this invitation
0: and to everyone listening see you next time goodbye